What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Six Rings Canes and Canes fan. Uh, we got uh, something new for you here today. We're going to thank our sponsors first. Uh, let's give a shout out to Manscaped here. Um, obviously, they do some great work with us. Um, it's not the summer anymore, but it is the fall. And there's nothing like just being nice and clean and fresh for the fall. Now that we've got the holidays coming up, you want to make sure that you and the ladies are getting along, right? So you want to make sure that you um, you know, keep everything <laughs> below the waist. Perfect and ready to go. So that's why we want to thank Manscaped because they do offer some really amazing packages, just like the uh, Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for uh, that uh, fall body, for that fall time, for that um, uh, winter time, for the holidays, baby. Um, inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, um, which is absolutely fantastic. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer. Just used it a couple of days ago, you know. Eh. I'll leave it there. Um, and then, the, uh, of course, the Crop Preserver, the Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner. Uh, they even give you some performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies in. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com, type in the code 5RSN, and they will give you 20% off plus free shipping on anything that you do purchase with Manscaped. Again, it's manscaped.com, code word uh, 5RSN, the number the number 5RSN, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping and handling. Get ready, boys and girls. Here we go. It's the Six Rings Cane Show coming at you now. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Six Rings Cane Show on a new night, Monday night now, baby. We're really excited, actually, to have uh, um, Eric McLean on the show here, college football analyst, co-host uh, of the Huddle. Coach. Yes. All right. <laughs> First touchdown of the year. <laughs> Bobby Hurricanes, yeah. You know the name already. It's Merced. 
It's a six-rig game show. Can't forget the name, though. Got jazz, blue vision, DJ, break the game code. Ain't no changing up, ain't no breaking up. Real port alive from the Hall Ride Stadium. Ball 14 for the orange or green. You see the six-rig champs, it's more than a dream. This is life on the field. Beyond a hundred yards of hurricane, that's never still put a damage to your squad. What's wrong with us? Seriously. What's wrong with us? We're Miami Hurricanes fans. Welcome to the Six Rings Cane Show, a show dedicated to Miami Hurricane sports, featuring the legendary Larry Bluestein, Jazz Santana, Vish, and Danny Gillette. Let's go, Canes. Well, how about that? I how love about it. that? I love it. I love huh? it. Yeah, buddy. Welcome, 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 everybody. By the way, shout out to uh <laughs> Music by Mercy for the uh, for the beat for the lyrics for the song did an absolutely great job and um, and and Vish with the montage I love uh, that we had the Dono exit too the Dono exit and then, I'm sorry but that last little scene of ours was hilarious I love that what's wrong with us because we're Miami Hurricanes fans I love that <laughs> I, did, I had to put it in. I did like make sure there was no music going we just got up here on that one that was great man that was great welcome to the Six Rings King show ladies and gentlemen <laughs> joined by uh, Vince DJ and Larry Bluestein Blues back in the building what's going on fellas doing great good doing to be great. back yes sir yes sir uh, we're a couple of days off of a uh, a tough one, right? A tough loss to the University of North Carolina. Um, we'll obviously get into it. We've got a lot of things to cover today. Some some, some good, uh, I would probably say more decent than good, uh, bad, and of course the downright ugly as well. So we've got a lot to cover. Um, as you guys well know, um, I mean, if, if, if anybody was just remotely – uh, alive during the game, which, by the way, Rob, bring it, baby. I want you guys to bring it. Bring all the knee-jerk reactions. Let's do it tonight. Let's do it tonight. I want to hear it all. Um, in case you guys missed it, uh, TVD um, had, um, quite frankly, one of his best games, right? I mean, it was it was actually – he did really well. Uh, he kind of showed the TVD that we wanted to see all throughout the season, finally figured it out. Whatever the case was, whatever it was, whether it's communicating with – with Coach Ponce and Coach uh, Gaddis Moore, uh, whether it was the wide receivers stepping up, whether it was the whole entire team stepping up uh, from an offensive perspective, um, it was nice. It was nice to see uh, TVD get back um, and and make some nice passes and, and do really well. Gary, what's up, what's up, Gary? I might I must be delusional because it felt it felt better about the team after the game than I did before. Now, nah, man, you're not delusional. You're really not delusional. There's a lot of fans. Um, I mean, we're all delusional, right? But <laughs> whereas there's a lot of fans that, that I would probably say feel that way, right? Okay, so let me let me kind of backtrack. There's probably about thirty percent of the fans that feel that way. The other seventy are doom and gloom, and you know it's the end of the world. Mario Cristobal needs to get fired, and we need to dismantle this whole entire team. That's just sort of it's a knee jerk reaction of us Kings fans, right? I get it, I get it. But um, the the yeah, fact I, of the I, matter I is, we the, are who we the, are, right? I think one of the issues is, um, you know. The people that are, quite frankly, out of their minds um, are the loud ones. So they have an outsized, I would say, effect on the environment in which we're operating. I think most people understood this is going to take some time. Not, you know, obviously we shouldn't have lost to Middle Tennessee. Like there's things yeah, that shouldn't have happened, that right? Coming. Nobody right? saw that But I think overall everyone's like, all right, you know, keep a calm head here. A lot, a lot of season left. And, you know, we're in year one of a project here. And you know, saying that does not does not drive traffic on Twitter. It doesn't, you know, 
it doesn't get the traction as fire everyone and shouting, and then that's what kind of gets yeah. gets you know hey, hey, amplified. Listen, it's, it's, it's not to say that I wasn't pissed off at the end of the game, right? Of course I was pissed. You know, you get an opportunity to march down the field and either kick a field goal or, or you know put it in the end zone, and of course that last play. You know, we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, uh, before we kind of get too deep into it, um, you know, I want to start off with with you, Blue. Uh, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, man, so we're excited to have you back on. Um, I know you were at the game. You kind of saw what was going on out there. What's your take on this loss and how, uh, you know, I, I guess what, what do you take from it, right? We, all, we obviously saw the defense struggle a little bit in the first half. They put it together, made some adjustments in the second half. You saw some players that were not looking very good, kind of looked a little bit better in the second half, so on and so forth. Obviously, the offense had it rolling from a passing perspective. Their passing game was was rolling, couldn't get the running game rolling. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on how everything went, aside from the loss, right? Obviously, it's it's you know not concerning, but it is what it is. Talk to me a little bit of how you felt about that game. Well, to be honest with you, it started out like uh, same old thing. We're going to just give in to the fact that North Carolina is four and one and they're a good football team. And, you know, I mean, but it turned out to be a pretty good game. It really did. I mean, you know, Miami rallied. Uh, they were they were in the game all the way. Um they kept, you know, they kept not closing the door on the contest. And you know what? I, I had some harsh things to say before the game. I mean, I, in all the uh, interviews that I had, I was just I was deeply disappointed after losing the Middle, T- Middle Tennessee State because no matter how bad you are, that should never happen. Or no matter how much you're growing as a team, that should never happen, especially because they turn around and look like crap the following week against University of Texas San Antonio. And uh, and then they lost again. And I'm thinking, wow, this is. And but you know what? The whole thing is, is I was waiting and I, I kept saying the whole game uh, and, and you and I sat in a press conference uh, two weeks before, you know, after that middle Tennessee game. And I was just waiting after the game for Mario Cristobal to, to come in there and, and take the blame again. Cause I would have jumped up and gotten his face because I, you can't do that. You can't keep doing that. He can't, it's been 30 years since he put on a uniform, so he can't play the damn game. He gets, there's nobody. And I watched so many games. There's nobody that gets that team, uh, their team more fired up than him. Nick Saban's a fuddy dud on the sideline. He doesn't say anything. I watched Stephen Norvell and all these, but I'll tell you what, he's into every damn thing. He's on that sideline. Even when, you know, even when things were going wrong and they were down, listen, there's no hesitation that within two years, Miami's going to be in the mix to be one of the better teams in the country. Not a top four team, but one of the better teams because they have all the elements in place. I Again, I talked to all the recruits, uh, you know, everybody that I could talk to. And, and no matter what anybody wants to say, and I kept hearing everybody say the last couple of days on all these different programs, uh, oh, it's going to kill Miami. It's not going to kill Miami. These guys are all sitting there rubbing their hands together and go, oh, my God, they got nobody can catch the ball. I'm going to be there next year and I'm going to play power five football. I can move into linebacker and play, uh, you know, a role at linebacker. So forget about that stuff that they're going to lose any kids. If anything, they'll gain people because everybody wants to be a part of it. And I think the smart people see guys, how close Miami is. I mean, you know, there's a, few plays here and there from from beating uh, Texas A&M. Uh, we throw the Middle Tennessee State game out because I just don't think the mindset was there because there's just no way, like I said, that no way it should happen. Um, I was like 
like they said, I was deeply encouraged after that game, not not to go to a you know, not to win 11 games or anything, but just as a team and picking each other up and being down some key people, especially on the offensive line where that's not a deep place and how they pass protect. Yeah, I was a little bitter at the running game because I sat there and, and talked to one of the coaches on Friday night at the St. Thomas game. And and I said, listen, you've got to have Dad Franklin in in the twenties. I don't care who you what you say because you're going to throw somebody like Paris, you're going to throw somebody like Rooster in there, and they're going to get hurt because they're not tackle to tackle runners. They're the type of guys you need in space, get out of the backfield. But you've got Thad Franklin for a reason. This is a six two, two hundred and thirty pound guy that inside the twenties should be punishing people, and he would have. But again, never listen. And he even said, okay, I'm going to do it. And he never did it. He ran two damn times. And, you know, that to me, especially when you see guys that, that, that again, and I illustrated it last week, everybody in the press box, press box, I said, when they snap the ball, there's nine guys with one guy coming up, 10 guys in the box. You're not, I don't care if you're Jane, Jim Brown, you're not going to run the ball. You know, so to me, Miami wasn't backing anybody up. And then when they were, you, you look at they were they didn't respect Miami's running game. They really didn't. I mean, when Tyler, even when Tyler got hot, uh, you know, and started throwing up field a little bit, they still didn't. But that'll come. Uh, they just got to play smarter. They've their play calling sometimes befuddles me. I just don't understand it. But you know what? On the overall, I walked out of that game and I go, you know what? I want to be angry. And I and I want to start, you know, throwing people under the bus. But there's really nobody to throw under the bus. I I finished it, guys. With you are what you are. You can improve on the on the spaces that you you know that you have. But you are what you are right now. You have no depth really anywhere. Uh, and uh, and that's the fact. I mean, uh, but. Uh, and, and all that said, they're a seven-point favorite this week at Virginia Tech for homecoming. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's all that crazy. They have a homecoming at Blacksburg, and they're a seven-point favorite. So evidently somebody sees a lot in this team. But I will tell you this. I've watched a lot of football. I've seen the past teams. I've seen the past coaches. And no one is no one brings more energy than Mario Cristobal anywhere in the country. I've never seen anybody bring the energy that he has from start to finish. You and I saw him in the, in the warmups uh, against uh, middle Tennessee state and he was everywhere, but you know what? That didn't stop. He did that during the entire game. You can see him running down the sidelines and getting in people's face in a good way, in a good way, but trying to amp them up, trying to give them some of his energy and, they had it. They just made a few mistakes early, buried themselves early on. And listen, North Carolina is not a bad team, guys. <laughs> They're pretty good. I mean, you know, they may not be the greatest team on earth, but they've got dudes. And uh, I think what they did by, you know, limiting May and May, look at look at his stats against everybody else. So there were some really good things. Yeah, there were some bad things, but there will be bad things all year, maybe even into next year. But They'll they'll get less and less. And uh, yeah, I'm like Vish, you know, you you wanted to get into the situation where you wanted to, uh, you know, be angry. But uh, I wasn't really angry. I, I, I'm, I'm accepting slowly that, uh, you know, what you have is what you have. Well, DJ, um, Lou mentioned something, right, that I think we all kind of think about. And we say, yeah, you know, even with how 
quote unquote bad. And by the way, big shout out to Chug Mobier, uh in the house with the four ninety nine dono. Uh, ready, ready for a great show, guys. I think third down is a big problem. Kings are twenty five of sixty four on th- uh, on third down from game two through game five. That's thirty nine percent. Those are drive killers. Go Kings. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, man. I agree. That's a that's a great point. Also, I'm assuming it's Ranger Zulu. Uh, too many people forget how badly the potential sanctions over our head killed our recruiting, which ruined our performance, which killed our recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a vicious cycle for a while there. So uh, totally get that, man. Again, uh, just going back uh, to it, um, DJ Blue mentioned something, right, that I think was interesting that we all saw. Like, we made some mistakes. Look. The biggest, probably one of the biggest mistakes was the fumble when we were going in to score, right, on fourth down. Uh, after you get the first down, you fumble the ball, right? That's a potential opportunity to score there. Um, Borregales misses a field goal on a high snap, and he, I mean, he had, he could have kicked that from 70 yards down, he would have made it, right? He had all the leg in the world for that. He just missed it a little wide left. Um, and then you've got some other potential opportunities, the goal line stand, the goal line, um, uh, you know that you had four downs to score a touchdown. You can't you can't punch it in, right? So you've got. With all that being said, DJ, we lost we lost by three points. We we're down three points, but with potentially the opportunity to tie it or win it there at the end um, after we stopped them on offense. So, what did you take from this that was good, bad, or ugly, or, or all of it? And and moving forward, where where can the Kings kind of build off of this from? Well, the biggest thing I took after, you know, the bye week speculation was the play of Tyler Van Dyke. And I know it may seem like an easy thing to kind of notice, but he looked very decisive in his in his decision making. He got the ball out quick. He looked comfortable. It it looked like he had good command of the offense and a good grasp of where his, you know, receivers were and the routes that they were running. And we hadn't really seen that confidence yet so far this, um, you know, you know, the season. But this was a game where Van Dyke had to keep up with the likes of Drake May and, you know, the UNC offense. And we kind of talked about it, how Van Dyke needed to bring his best game. And I think he really did that. He had three touchdowns and an interception, which I believe was on the very final drive of the game. So I guess what I'm saying is my biggest takeaway here is that Tyler Van Dyke looked really good. And that's, you know, very encouraging for the Miami Hurricanes moving forward. He looked like who we saw at the tail end of last year. Vish, just elaborate a little bit more on the play of TVD this past weekend. Um, you know, a lot of people, I, I think there's still, and by the way, this is, this is what I was talking about. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear anybody, you know, talking, talking trash about TVD anymore. Like we need to stop. Like we all, we all, and he knew it, but we all said it. He wasn't playing good. He was playing like crap. He knew it. Everybody knew it. And he put together a really, really, really great showing. One of his best showings. I mean, we're talking about 42 of 57, 496 yards, three touchdowns. I think the guy did absolutely everything that he could. All right to keep that game, that, that team in the game. And yes, you're right, uh, Gary, that ball was tipped at the line uh, on the interception. Uh, and regardless, I mean, he's trying to make a play there. He's trying to get him in, in field goal position. You know, he's working, he's working the whole entire field, give him a break, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be pissed off because he threw the interception. And it's not like that lost us the game. So I really want to kind of talk about this, the, the TV's play 
this past weekend um, and just the overall play of, of the offense as a whole. Yeah, just real quick to address what uh, Ringer Zulu said. Um, I think that was definitely the case. That was, I mean, if you were in the stadium, you could see, you know, everyone thought he was out of bounds. Are we whether talking or not about the he was Skitter? Yeah, Skitter. whether or not he was. I do think, you know, fair criticism. He didn't really fight to get out of bounds, which was insane. Right. Like if he, if he had, I think he incidentally went out of bounds, but they ruled forward progress. if he had fought for that of bounds line, he would have gone out of bounds right. clearly, and there's no way they would have wound it. But yeah. Just the way that it's played a freshman out. mistake from a guy yeah, who, which is know. okay, yeah. Like Lou said, you know, this is a growing process. You play freshmen, so this is going to happen sometimes. You know, they're not going to have that situational awareness. Right. So, but I think the way that played out was as a worst case scenario. If he clearly gets tackled inbounds, we're running back to the line. The officials grabbing the ball, like they rush with the offense to try to help the offense get the next snap off, and everyone's kind of in that mode. Everyone stopped. He was out of bounds. Everyone stopped. The officials weren't really moving. And then the other guy comes in and waves the clock. And then it's just like, you could hear like the air go out of the building. Like, it was like, <gasps> and everyone panicked, including the team. We rushed up to the line. We snapped it. I don't even know what play we were trying to run. And like, like, uh, like, like uh, Gary said, the ball got tipped, but that was just, that was the worst way for that to happen. Cause if you clearly get tackle inbounds, everyone's rushing at the snap off. If you clearly get out of bounds, you stop. In this case, everyone stopped because he looked out of bounds and then it wasn't. So Definitely don't fault him for that. It was more of, I mean, we're snake at this point. We look at all the little things that keep going wrong, but that was certainly one of them where, you know, even just getting tackled in bounds, where you know you're in bounds is much better than what happened there. Right. Um, in terms of his overall play, I thought he looked confident again, which is the big thing. He was zipping the ball in there. The other thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, there were always some bad drops, but the, the receivers did make catches on balls in their catch space. And what I mean by is not perfect – Maybe a little bit behind, maybe a little up, and they were finally catching those. You got to help your quarterback out. That helps a lot. Helps to grow his confidence. Now he knows he doesn't have to make a perfect pass. He can throw it a lot more confidently. And you saw that happen throughout the game. Like, and that zip matters. Like the touchdown to Keyshawn Smith. Like if he doesn't throw a missile there, it's not a touchdown. And Lord knows our red zone offense, so you don't want to get tackled there, right? So, I mean, that once he started, once he grew into the game, and and had that confidence. Everything everything came together, and he, he was throwing it confidently. He was fitting it into coverage when he was slightly off receivers for them. It's not right. The receivers made the tougher catches, and they dropped a couple of easy ones in critical situations. But, you know, that helped a lot. We were talking about that a lot the last few weeks. Like, his receivers got to help him, too. They did. Like, I know Mallory had that one big drop, which actually, you know, didn't really matter because we converted the fourth and kept it moving. But um, um, that, yeah, and that but was the had, one where – He had that whole side of the field open. For him, he was he was going to get another at least twenty. Yeah, but that was that ended up being the one where Rooster fumbled. So we still should have at least gotten points on that drive. But but he made several catches where the ball was kind of off target, and he was snatching it. You know, he went up the middle on that seam route in between the safety linebacker, made a tough catch. Like those are the the plays we haven't been catching. And then that gets your quarterback confidence. So it all worked. Now the running game did not, but but TBD was awesome. And it was the shot in the arm we kind of needed. And unfortunately, it didn't result in a win. But he was great. And I think, you know, he's, it's the quarterback we all knew was there. Oh, yeah. So it was just good to see that. Oh, you, you, it's a great segue because you, you mentioned how, you know, other things weren't working, like the running game, right? The running game. Were, and by the way, shout out to Les. What's going on, Les? Um, back in the building. 
Um, yeah, for, for exactly what I mentioned earlier. Four tries from the two-yard line and we couldn't score. Can't get two yards. Just, just real quick on that point. I've seen a lot of criticism of Gaddis's play calling overall. Well, I think the play calling was fine there. Listen, I, if, I you, if you're coached by Mario Cristobal, you're going to run the ball at the five-yard line four what, times. What, what, I, what, I will say, what I will say in that instance, the one criticism I do – because a lot of the stuff he gets criticized for is like – I mean, Knighton on the – I think it was the first or second drive drops the first down then we the one we missed the field goal on like i mean that you're still moving you know that's not a bad play call in fact we've been asking get knighton out there on the edge it and throw it to him we did and he, a great play call. And he, dropped it. he catches that ball to first down yeah yeah you know? so that would have been the first down so i mean those but i will say the one thing is on second down on that goal line sequence when we snuck the ball and got like a yard and a half and came like an inch short just sneak it again like i i don't understand why we handed it off five yards deep and lost two yards yeah. Like to me, that was the one thing. I'm like, if you can sneak the ball, it is very difficult not to get a half yard at least. And the fact that we just sneaked it successfully and almost scored it, like they literally was like just inches away. Well, we made it difficult, clearly, right? Yeah, just just <laughs> just just sneak it again, get the touch. I understand everything everyone's saying is correct. Like that a defending is like, yes, you should be able to get an inch handing it off to your running back. You should be able to win up front. You gotta establish exactly. that attitude. I think at this point we recognize we got trouble down there. If you think you can sneak the ball and just do it. Um, I don't have issues going for it there. To me, it's fine. You're trying to, you know, it's not a game that it's a game with a lot of up and down, you know, it's going to happen and did happen. So I had no issues going for it. I just, the only play call I had a problem with was the third down after we snuck it successfully on second down to get just a breath away from the goal and just sneak it again and get your touchdown. There was no reason to hand it off to Parrish back in the backfield like that. And by the way, uh, which I'm, I'm – Sorry, wanna... just the other thing real quick no. on that point, then I'm going to shut up. <laughs> so, um, I think we, we, we tend to focus on Miami, right, of course, because that's our team. If you recall, UNC drove down to the eighth and bizarrely went for it on like fourth and goal from the eight and missed it after we dropped the interception on the play before. So, I mean, that canceled out. If they had if, – if we had if we had ended up winning, they would have their fans definitely would have been like, what the hell did we go for that for? Why did we just kick the field goal? So I was like, watching the I was watching the television broadcast and they said that Mac Brown relied a lot on analytics and they actually showed like a guy on the sideline with like a bunch of charts and and, yeah, and you know numbers and things and I never thought of Mac Brown as an analytics guy, but I guess you learn something new every day. I think so, I think a lot of teams are doing that now, a lot more than they than they used to before. But um, analytics tell you to go for it on fourth and eight. Like I thought that was risky from the get go, and they did it a lot on Saturday. They did. I, I, that was a, that was a crazy play. No, they, they um, did it a lot, and they converted some. Which I'm sure we should talk about our inability to get off the field. Yeah, but that one in particular was like they just almost threw an interception on third down. It was fourth and goal from like the eight or nine. I thought their kicker was injured. To be honest, and he came out later and started drilling field goals. It was like okay, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you mentioned something earlier, right, about us not being able to at least get a couple yards. Okay, the and, and by the way, it's not it's not for them not not running the, the ball. I know a lot of people see it that you know that <laughs> the DB threw the ball fifty seven times. It's not like we ran the ball ten times. We ran the ball twenty four times. Okay, and people don't realize that we ran the ball twenty four times, um, and so it looks very lopsided. Which you know, yes, in, in the grand scheme of things, it was lopsided. Uh, but we were trying to run the ball. We ran it 24 times. We didn't do jack diddly with it. Okay. So um, you get to a point where if they can't run the football and you're you're firing on all cylinders, throwing the ball around, then that's what they're going to do. And they're going to rely on that. And, and look, it, it made sense. It worked out for them to a certain degree. Do I wish that they would have run the ball better? Yes. And this is what I want to understand, Blue. Like this, this football team. Okay. Let's talk about UNC's 
defense has has been given up, has been getting gashed in the running game by everybody, right? Notre Dame ran for over 280 yards. Um, uh, Georgia State ran for like 175, I think. It was something right. crazy like that. App State, everybody ran against them. And then you got Miami all of a sudden, who's supposed to have a pretty damn good run game, run for 42 total yards. Are you concerned about the line? I'm, and maybe not so much pass protection because you saw that pass protection was decent. Okay. I think they only sacked uh, TVD one time the whole game. <clears throat> that, that run blocking scheme, for one reason or another, has digressed enormously. Not only that, the only the only guy right now, and and I know you, I know who you're going to mention. The only guy right now that seems to be doing a really good job running the football is Henry Parrish. We've seen a, a little bit of of, of of a regression in in Jalen Knighton's play as well. But I really want to focus on the offensive line here. Is the offensive line a concern for you when it comes to run blocking, or is it just a matter of them kind of putting it all together, uh, kind of understanding the, their run scheme a little better and against tougher opponents, right? Because now it's ACC play. So what do they have to do? Is it a matter of getting some other guys on the field now? We saw some injuries as well, right guard with Olawashun and and uh, Ja'Kai Clark as well as Jonathan Dennis came in and played. What's the, what's, what's the issue with maybe just the right side? I don't know. I just think it's the offensive line as, as a whole. Uh, the the uh, you, what you said is 100 percent right. North Carolina is not a, a great defensive team. So instead of channeling, uh, you know, the running game and let, giving up chunks of yards, they try to stop the run and they stayed in that defense all game. I like I said, we were watching them from the press box going, get, snapping the ball with nine guys in the box. So evidently that's what they were out to do. And even when he started getting hot with the passing game, they never really, you know, it never became an issue. And that's why he almost threw for 500 yards because I thought, you know, I went to a, a college UNLV and when I was there, they played basketball, really good basketball. And they, ne- they never cared about what the other team did. They just outscored them. So I think North Carolina's mindset is they have a really good offense, a high-powered offense. They have really good you know, kids to, to, to re, uh, catch the ball and a, a really good running game. And I think that was their mindset all game. So it's a scheme. Uh, I don't think and, – and the whole thing is, is Miami really kept running the ball even though they know, knew. I mean, as soon as any of the running backs guys, whoever it was, got the ball – there was six, seven jerseys right there to greet them. So it doesn't really matter how they're blocking. You could have the Dallas Cowboy offensive line. And if if they're, if your defense is stacking the box, that means you got nine against five. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's you're never going to really win any battles unless you pop one out. So that's why I said instead of – so so you got to credit Gattis. So he really, you know, even though he felt he had to run the ball, his forte on that day is they go, you know what? And I'm sure Mario got with him at halftime and said, listen, they're giving us the, the, the passing game. They're giving us the upfield. If we could get Mallory out a little bit more, and he did. They targeted him 11 times. He caught, what, nine balls, eight, nine balls. And, I, and I'm sure that was their game plan because never before have they targeted a Mallory so many times in a game. Yeah, he drops a lot, but that's, that's him. You know, but but that's what happened, guys. Uh, you know, you, you can't say anything negative towards the offensive line. They're doing what they can do, but it doesn't matter how many stars they had up front. They were outmanned. They were outmanned up front, and I think North Carolina kept to that scheme. They probably came in thinking, you know what, Miami's only way, especially because, you know, the only reference point they really have is going off the middle Tennessee game where uh, Tyler looked like crap. 
I mean, so they're saying, you know what? The only way they're going to even do anything against us is the run. And they never came out of it because they had the lead all the way. So they figured, you know what? They're going to pass. Let them pass. I just don't want them to run on, on us and we're going to have to drop our and they got average linebackers. Their linebackers aren't great. They they never really made many plays. So by moving them up to stop the run, they let their safeties and their corners do all the work, for, and they didn't do too good a job. That's what I'm saying. Miami, if they you know if they went and let's say they moved back, maybe Miami would have done as well in the passing game. And and you know that that's the only uh, you know th- that's the only thing that I have to say. You know, as far as that's concerned, I will I won't jump on them because. All we were doing and all I'm, I'm, you know, Gaddish, you know, you can't give anybody you can't take away from the fact that, you know, they didn't all of a sudden Saturday morning drop this game plan. That's what they spent from, you know, last Sunday all the way or even because they had the bye week. They probably, you know, took some time the week before and broke down North Carolina and said, listen, this is what they do. And if you look back at the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame was running on them because of the fact that they were backing people up and they were running a 4-3. So if they run a 4-3, that's seven guys. And then they were dropping their linebackers because Notre Dame ran, you know, out of the backfield. That's what I said. Again, they didn't take it. They did did a wheel route twice, once or twice. But that's what I'm saying. He didn't mix it up at all. But, you know, and I can't fault him because – he was throwing up field with regularity. His tight end was getting open. Uh, his wide receivers were catching the ball and they were getting open. So there really wasn't a need, uh, you know, to, to, you know, other than I, I, I was really adamant about, um, about um, in between. Listen, what you do from the 20 to 20 is you open up the field. And then Thad Franklin's not an open field runner, but inside the 20, he serves a really good purpose because he's going to get you four or five yards, but at the same time, he's going to wear down the linebackers and the safeties. They're not. See, they're, you could see when they ran tackle to tackle with either Rooster or Parrish, they just weren't winning. They were getting beat up, you know, and, and, and every time, you know, and they go back to the huddle, I'm thinking to myself, what, you know what? I said, if that's their game plan, that's fine. I'm not going to yell because they they spent five days game planning this very thing. They knew they were going to stack the box. They knew that because, you know, it's just like I watched a high school game a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of the teams kept making plays after play. And then one of the kids who made a play looked over at the coach. He goes, we watch film. You know, so and that's what I'm saying. If you watch enough film, especially Miami's tendencies, you're going to load things up because Tyler Van Dyke wasn't playing very well. He played a good game in the Texas A&M game, but his receivers didn't in the middle Tennessee game. He was horrible. So that's all they had to go on, guys. You know, as a coach, you can only go on reference points. You can't go on. Well, last year, well, it's not the same personnel as last year. So I think that they went in thinking I think Mac Brown went in thinking, listen, let them beat us with the pass, because you know what? They came, came, they came uh, into the ball game thinking, well, either he's going to throw it at their feet or behind him, like he did in the Middle Tennessee game, or his receivers are going to drop him. So let's just stick to this game plan, and it almost cost them the game, you know, to stick with it because, like you said, he threw for almost 500 yards. But I, I'm, a, I'm of the firm belief that. Uh, 
I, I'm not going to blame Miami's offensive line. Like you said, Jazz, they're depleted. They don't have a lot of depth there, but they're doing what they could do. You know, I mean, we're, if you notice, too, there's not a lot of holding penalties this year. There were a bunch of them, and they're not getting blown back into the running backs. It's just that when they're met at the line of scrimmage, the running backs don't advance the ball. Yeah. And um, yeah. They're not getting a lot of push. I'm not, they're not getting not at all, back, but, but, yeah, not but not at all. But again, and actually, Mario talked about that a little bit, and I think that resonated with me about how it looked like and I could my my seats are like right almost at midfield but pretty high up so I get like the the, the skybox view sort of and there were a lot of plays that looked like they were there we're just closed on them and we were not doing a good job holding our blocks especially not just the offensive line on the edge our receivers got out physical by the defensive backs that's why those bubble screens in the flat weren't working I would see UNC run the same calls when they had the ball against similar alignments and their receivers were owning our DBs and they were getting seven, eight yards and we would get nothing. So we got to get more physical there. Now, again, part of that is we don't have, you know, it's great to put freshman receivers out there because you have to and put these young guys out there. They have not had the time to physically develop like some of your older guys that are frankly injured right now. So, but we got, we got, I felt pushed around a little bit there. The other thing I will say where the running game was effective is, you know, Les is asking, why didn't we um, throw to set up the, the wrong well, like blue said we threw and they didn't adjust to the throws we kept throwing like you you throw us up the run assuming they're going to back off and right. open up those runs. they never did they just let us kept throwing yep. but i think one reason we kept running anyway because we did as jess we ran a lot of plays in this game um one of the reasons we kept running is one of our defenses was to keep their offense off the field and um, we did that. Those long drives where we'd shoot ourselves in the foot did serve a purpose in terms of UNC not getting the ball as much. Um, yeah. No, you're right. The game had a weird rhythm. Like yeah, they also wow. then start sitting on the ball too. Like that, their last, last drive before we made that stop at the end and got the ball back. Eight minute drive. UNC does not do eight minute drives, but they're like, we need to hold this ball. And they were able to do it, which again, we can talk about our defense a little bit, but I feel like both teams came in thinking we got to play in thirties or forties. And as the game evolved, they realized, no, this game's going to the twenties and they slowly kind of adjusted. Both teams started playing slower. It kind of, it was the game developed its own rhythm, but I do think our running game did at least keep the clock moving, keep us on the field longer. You don't want to throw three incompletions and give the ball right back to UNC. They'll put up 21 points in a hurry and then you're you're done. So, so I think our offense actually, you know, for all the mistakes they made where they didn't get points when they probably should have. If you look at the yardage total compared to the points, that shouldn't happen. And it's like the third time that's happened this year. So that's why yeah. I think there's actually a lot of promise. I, I think the truth That'll is eventually yeah, catch up. If you put it all together, right? Like we, we still haven't had a complete game, obviously. But if you put the running game together, if you put the passing game together, how how we've been doing in some games and some others. And then, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, which we'll get to now, if you, you do what they did in the second half, um, you know, not only that, like if you do, I know a lot of people are talking a lot of trash about that defense, right? About how, how bad we were or how much we got beat. First of all, we didn't get beat a lot. Let, let me explain myself. Number one, number two, we gave us six points in the second half and we held one of the best offenses in the country to under 30 points. Nobody has done that all year. Uh, and we knew that this was going to be like this though. We knew they were going to score points, right? It's not like we were going to come out here and say, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna shut them down, right? We're gonna shut them out. Uh, Drake May, pretty good, uh, you know, had a decent game, but again, only thrown one interception all all season long. 
we 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 picked two of two of his passes off. Okay, so I think we did a good job all around. Um, I think the first half was a little bit different than the second half. Uh, second half showed you know the defense played a lot better, made some adjustments. Um, but before we get to that, I got one more thing on offense. Well, I got two more things on offense that I want to ask you guys. Okay, uh, the first thing is, and this is this one. This one had me completely, uh, for lack of a better word, flabbergasted. Right on. Uh, there's Jazz using big words, baby. Hey, um, <laughs> I was completely dumbfounded by. All of really? Sudden, you went back to dumbfounded after throwing out flabbergasted? Yeah, whatever. I don't know the difference. Listen. <laughs> we got to judge. Like, you just, smart. just execute our red zone offense. You moved it right up there, and then you switched it. And that doesn't apply to me because I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Um, we know. Larry, Blue, talk to me about this. Like, Were you completely confused as to why the hell we only saw Kobe Young in like the last five minutes of the game, and he looked like the best wide receiver on the team? What well, the hell was that all about? Because well, I was again, like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> well, you know, there's got to be a beginning to everything, Jazz. I mean, yeah, and, I even, and Mario said this in the second, you know, in, in the press conference. He said, because people were asking, hey, you know, where has he been? And he said, listen, he's a young guy coming in, still learning, still like Skinner. But you could tell. So you put the guy that's still learning? All of a sudden, in the last five minutes, and he balls out. Well, but you they had no choice. Yes, I guess. <laughs> it's not like they have options, you know. I mean, but but that's how you listen. That's how you make your way, and that's how you catch the attention. And that's I can tell you two guys who will see significant playing time the rest of the year: uh, Kobe and Jaleel Skinner. I mean, both of them guys. Remember what yeah. I said all the time that everybody and. And in, in the press box the other day, everybody's talking, oh, uh, Corey Flagg sucks. But yet he's leading the, the team in tackles by 30 tackles. Come on. <laughs> so to me, it's all about production. And I, I don't care what they look like. I don't care how big they are. But Jaleel Skinner and Colby are two guys that produce. And that's right now, you could bet. You could bet this whole week they're running with the ones. Oh yeah, yeah, they definitely are because that—that's how Mario works, and and he was really, really. I mean, everybody dwells on the on the ball that um, uh, that uh, what's his name dropped, yeah. but 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 he had talked about Mallory, and he said, "Listen, Will Mallory." kept us in the game with a lot of his catches, you know, so we can't just single. He says, there's nobody on a, nobody's in any place here to start pointing fingers at any one person. And, and, you know, yeah, I I can understand, but listen, having a wide receiver coach is going to make the kid catch the ball. It's going to make them better from a, from a uh, tech technique standpoint. But my point is either you got it, you don't. And that's the whole thing. And you could bet, and, and that's why I agree with what Vish said. You know, you look at the Texas A&M game where they just, if you look at the stats, Miami just, you know, Miami should have won by 20. Okay. And then you look at this game where, you know, at one point, I think in the first half, um, North Carolina had 160 more yards than Miami. So, cause you know, I was looking at the scoreboard and I was saying, Jesus, they got like 309. Miami's got 140, but then all of a sudden, in the second half, it evened up, and Miami, what, they were pretty close in, in, in offensive yards at the end. But that's what I'm saying, guys. I, I, you know what? 
yeah, we, we want to criticize and we want to say, you know, we want to play Sunday morning quarterback and say, well, they should have done this. They should have done that. It's obvious what they don't do well. And, you, you know, you could say, oh, they need a receiver or this guy's got to go all you want, but it's not going to change this team. You know, Jake comes in at quarterback uh, the week before and he does real well, but people were still dropping some of his passes, too. It, it all evens off in the end. My only thing is can't be too hard on on this team. I, I You know, I was at the beginning, but then I kind of took a step back and looked at the personnel. Uh, Manny Diaz left this roster as one of the worst rosters they've ever had. It's a terrible roster. It was at the beginning of the year. And if it wasn't for the portal, you know, and even that was addressed, I think in his uh, press conference today, as I listened to it, somebody says, are you going to do the old fashioned? Let's re, re uh, you know, let's get the freshmen and let's recruit the freshmen. Or are you going to use uh, the portal? And he said, well, you look at the guys we have, it wasn't for the portal. You know, we would be in, you know, in worse shape, you know, in a lot of these he games. Knows it's, he, it's, he knows he's got a big, big project here. Yeah, sure. and that did, that did address some of Les's questions. So, I mean, you say he continues to state he's been here a few months. So, I don't know what he could have addressed the roster. If you say the same yeah, thing in year take, three, I could, I'm going to have a problem. But right yeah. now, it's like, yes, no, he'll so. never. But that's that's the thing, Bish. Uh, you know what? Mario Cristobal is not an excuse guy. You could already tell. And he's going to, I, I mean, he'll, you know, when you talk to him in the spring, he's going to look back and go, you know what? We just didn't have the personnel to compete with some of these teams. But I think we did our best we could. And I think that's what they're trying to do. You know, at the end, I mean, you don't, I mean, you got to remember too, we're looking at James Williams and Cam Kinchins as these veteran guys are only sophomores. You know, I mean, and they're making these huge plays to keep this team in in the game. And I think that's every, and you look at Tyler Van Dyke, second year starting. I mean, it's not like we got a five-year senior. Uh, and, and that's what I'm trying to, to point out. You don't have a lot of, where you have talent, they're not, I mean, they're not four and five-year guys or in most cases, just two-year guys. And yeah, yeah but look, and, at, look at some of the best players on this team. Akeem Mesador, who's rated, I think I saw somewhere, the number three defensive end um, in in the country right now in some sort of rating, some sort of ranking, whatever. He's like a fifth-year guy. Yeah, and then you look at guys like Caleb Johnson and Mitchell Agude and and these guys like this. Older guys. They're guys who have been there, done that. They've already gone through this growing pain stuff somewhere else. So that's why I always used to say the transfer portal is a plus plus because you're cutting through that freshman, sophomore, in some case, junior, uh, you know, learning curve. And you've got these guys coming on campus. And, you know, I mean, we they didn't strike gold for the first time in two, three years at the receiver position where you had Osborne and then you had Rambo. I mean, that that's where you're really missing out too because you didn't have an opportunity to have that big play guy. I mean, sure, someone's going to make a big play once in a while, but Rambo, would he have 80-something catches? Yeah. I mean, you know, there was that one game where he had 12 catches for 170 yards. See, we don't have that guy. These guys are still no, developing. And could, no could we get someone? Can we get someone like yeah. that uh, in a year or two? Or, or maybe next year? Sure, but i tell sure. you what. That transfer portal is going to be hot and heavy next huge. year for wide receivers. But, but I, I, I do, I do think Both one of the issues that's kind of like <laughs> that's permeating the whole team is we're just not making the winning play yeah. when we need to, and that's why we're losing. This team doesn't know so, how to win. It's a, yeah, I, and, I think, I, and, and, and I think it's now to create this momentum of right. you know 
I mean, the number of things that went wrong down the stretch of that game from, you know, even the touchdown they threw at the end of the first half where we hit Luke Main, he, he threw a moon ball up in the air and then it landed on the receiver. We missed three tackles. He scores a touchdown. Like, that should be an interception. Right. Like, I don't know yeah, what that yeah. was, right? I mean, yeah. we can't catch up. Obviously, it's not not catching a break when you're on an onside kick and the dude just runs up the out of bounds sideline and knocks the ball. Like, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> That's not bad luck. That's just come on, man. But but you know, we haven't gotten a bounce. Like we need something to go your way. It's just not happening. You know, and and I think that does weigh in everyone. And I do feel like a lot of the things we're talking about now, where oh, we dropped this critical pass, we missed this critical block. Um, obviously, the big fumble. You know, if you start winning games, those plays stop happening too. It's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Once you have that confidence that, hey, it's kind of like when our teams were great when we get in these tight games, you just – someone's going to make a play and we're going to win. Yeah. And you have that confidence. It's almost like the opposite now. Now it's like what is going to go wrong? Yeah. I, I like what someone <laughs> said that this is like 2017 but reverse. We're just yeah. losing the games now. Yeah. By the way, and I, I want to mention – I want to kind of answer Bobby 305 Gokane's, um Exactly why we need a wide receivers coach. And let me let me explain to you why I wanted to answer that. We've got like 15 analysts, okay. And by the way, there's a there's a guy on this team that was a hell of a wide receiver at Duke that coaches that wide receiver group, and that's Mr. Varner, right? Donovan Varner, if I have his name right. He's a hell of a wide receiver. The guy's coaching these wide receivers, so I, I don't. The whole thing of how having a wide receivers coach or having a specific guy coaching a specific, um, you know, position, sometimes, you know, I get it. But, you know, when you have 15 analysts, like some of these high, you know, high profile teams, some of these big time college programs do, you got guys like Varner, you got some other guys there that are sitting there and all they do is work with the wide receivers all day. And Varner is a good guy to have on your team. He was coaching. He was a wide receivers coach. Uh, previously, right before he came to us, yeah. So now he's he's an analyst with us, but he's working with these wide receivers every day. And you you start to see. I mean, look, Frank Ponce, Coach Ponce is no slouch when it comes to coaching wide receivers. Neither is Josh Gaddis. None of those guys are slouches when it comes to this. They know technique. They understand how to coach these guys. And you see the difference right there. You just saw the differences Saturday with how they were running their routes. The route tree, con- you know, all the concepts were a lot better, a lot crisper. You saw them catching the ball that they were dropping initially. Uh, you still saw a couple of drops, but you know, you see, you see them working and, and and working together and playing much better. The last thing I want to mention, I want to go around the horn two seconds really quick with everybody. Are you concerned? Uh, and I'll start with you, DJ. Are you concerned with the play or the regression of Jalen Knight? Uh, I know we saw that wheel route. He looked really good on that wheel route. He beat that guy. Um, however, you know, there's there's something missing there with Knight. What's, and he's healthy now. So I don't know if we can talk really about his injuries. I think at this point, um, is it because he's been injured most of the season? Uh, you know, we obviously saw him fumble. He has fumbled in the past. He has had some issues with fumbles in the past. Are we seeing a regression with Jalen Knight? Are you concerned about his level of play? Or do you think he can kind of pick it back up? I think he can pick it back up. I think he just needs to continue getting the opportunities. I mean, we saw what he did, for example, in the passing game, and Miami did a good job of involving the running backs in the passing game. He caught two passes for 56 yards, and, you know, it was good to see the running backs get involved in the passing game. But in it, but in any event, I think, you know, he, he is just lacking explosiveness, and I think he can get back on track, but I think it's going to take a while. So 
I'm not worried yet, but I'm going to be interested to see if he can kind of gain that speed burst and that explosive ability that he's, you know, kind of been known for back. Because if he doesn't get that back, then I think we we should be worried. Vish, um, it's funny. Less, less. Uh, by the way, we'll get we'll talk about that FSU game. By the way, in a second, because I want to I want to mention something about that. But uh, should we? We should call that wheel route fifteen times every game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I get that. Um, Vish, to me, and DJ meant, DJ brought this up, right, about getting Jalen the ball more, getting him more opportunities. Look, to me right now, <clears throat> excuse me, bottom line is Henry Parrish is the best running back on this team right now. He's shown it, right? He works hard. He practices hard. He, he does everything right on the field during the game. He does everything right off the field right now. He's motivated. He's ready to go. That's our RB1, if you ask me. However, yes, I still think you do need to get the ball in Jalen Knighton's hands because he's explosive, because he can do so many things. But we have noticed that he has, you know, dropped the ball on Saturday, fumbled the ball as well, not running how he maybe did run last year. Are you concerned with his play? Do you think he'll kind of put it all together and, and start to to be a little more productive and be better? Well, I mean, I, I agree with what you said about Parrish being being the number one guy. But I mean, I've been on that train before Knighton came back from injury the first time. Once I saw Parrish, I was like, "That that's your main back." Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I mean i I don't think it's this. I don't think it's that dissimilar to the TVD situation. You know, there's a better player in there, and frankly, you know, we don't have the luxury with and it's kind of in the chat now, but with the injuries to, to Cheney and a citizen to have that talent not playing. So you just got to work through it. Whatever you got to do. I don't think he's confident right now. The fumble, the drop, like, you know, he's, I'm, you got to understand how these guys tick, right? Like he a hundred percent blames himself for that loss. 100%, sure. Right. Sure. We know a hundred people made mistakes. There's a million plays in the game. It's never one player's fault. He's a hundred percent blaming himself. And to me, it's important to get him back out there and have success. He's too talented. We don't have a lot. We don't have a deep roster. We got we got to get him, get him more touches and and rehabilitate him. But yeah. you got to always weigh that against deserving playing time. And frankly, so far he really hasn't. Not in relation to Parrish. So, but I think you know same thing with TBD. We know there's a better player in there, and we got to try and get it to come out. So it's on the coaches to kind of figure out what's going on there and, and get him in the right mindset. Because when he's in the right mindset, he's a great player. We've seen it. And so it's kind of, you know, ironic. We're looking at him and, you know, TVD before guys we've seen perform over an extended period of time, all of a sudden not performing. 
you know, it's easier to say there's a better player in there. Whereas if it's someone that's never performed, it's kind of like, well, let's send him to the bench. But we need we need Jalen Knight. We need him playing well. So yeah. they just got to get him to get this out of it. Like, all right, this happened. It's in the past now. Let's move forward and hopefully, hopefully get, you know, some performances out of him because the, the one thing our offense is definitely lacking is explosive plays, and he can bring that. So that's where we got. We got to get him back in there. Blue, really quick for a minute or two here. First of all, the first two-part question for you. Um, are you concerned by 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 Jalen Knighton's play so far? And number two, were you surprised to see, because I was, uh, Lucia Stanley actually played, uh, had some snaps and some crucial po- moments, right, and some big third downs. Um, some big plays. I got a little bug running around here. It's driving me crazy. Um, were you were you surprised to see him as opposed to a guy like Thad or 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 even or even Jalen? Right? Were you surprised about that? And are you concerned with uh, with uh, Rooster right now? No, I'm not concerned with him. You got to use him better. You got to use him to his strengths. And then the way they are running him now is not his strengths, especially uh, you know when I when Vish was alluding to you know they're they're uh, you know up front we're getting beat. But what's happening is you're like you're getting outmanned up front, and he's not one of those guys. Best thing too, and you know, I pointed this out to uh, Coach James Franklin from Penn State was at the uh, Dillard game the other night, and I was talking about the kid Chris Johnson, and I said about and and also talked uh, to Chris John about Chris Johnson. I said this is a guy who everybody's enamored with uh, because he's so fast. But in reality, he's a kid you need in space. He's not a tackle-to-tackle runner, especially when they're getting outmanned up front. He's not. He's a really good back, but he's not a great back. But what he is, he's effective coming out of the backfield because if he has to come up against a linebacker or a safety, he'll take him to the house every single time. So they got to utilize him more that way. On your question about Stanley, the whole press box was devastated. How could you not? You got a guy, and I'll tell you what, if they don't start using Dad more, he'll be off. He'll be gone. And I don't blame him because I will tell you guys, there's a role player for everything. And you're 100% right about Parrish. He's the best back on the team in between, in between the 20s. But when you get in towards the red zone, you can't take a guy like that out. And every, And listen. All the reporters, all the analysts in the press box, 100% agreed. Stanley, it it, it was kind of a joke. You know, what is he doing in there when you, you know, I mean, and he's a transfer guy came in. When you got a guy who's been in this system now for a couple of years, knows it, uh, has been dependable inside, getting four and five yards a carry. He's got five touchdowns on the year. Yeah. To me, it was really because I'm on his train, not because I think he's great, but I think he's effective. And again, you know, my, my thing is I get a lot of heat for my support of Corey Flagg, but again, is he great? No, but he's effective. And that's what I, that's what you're all about now. Who's going to produce? It's not who's going to look great on the field and who's big and who's fast. It's who's going to get the job done. And I think that that's the answer to that. But everybody was really surprised. I mean, to, to put it mildly that he was in there. Yeah, it was surprising, but I'll tell you one thing that I keep hearing a lot of, um, and I kind of won't mention names or not, but I keep hearing a lot the big the big C word, right? It's the big C word, and what I what I mean by that is culture. Um, and from what I understand, and I'm not I'm not directing this towards that. I think there's a lot of players on this team right now that the reason they're not playing. 
is because they're not doing things the right way. And I know that Mario is trying to change a lot of that. And so therefore, and I, I don't know if I agree with the whole teaching guys a lesson because of, you know, you, you got to do a little bit of that, right? It, it is what it is. You have to do a little bit of that to see if guys are going to be able to quote unquote fall in line and start to respect the culture that they are trying to instill in this program. However, could he be a part? I don't know. I don't want to speculate on who are culture issues or having these problems. Again, he mentioned and he mentioned it in, in the uh, in the um, in the press conference as well, right? Like he knows, he knows. He came in here and he knew what he signed up for. He knew it was going to be a big issue. He knew that to change the culture of this program, he was going to have to do a lot of things that people were not going to like and that people were going to have an issue with. Players, coaches, fans, parents, whatever the case is, he knows that he was going to have this. And he said it. He said it at the end of the press conference on on Saturday. said it again today, right? Like, he knows that he has a ton of work to do here. Maybe more than people thought that he did. But he's got a lot of work to do. And the, the most important thing I think that's wrong with this team, because from a talent pa- perspective, I think that we have enough talent, if not more talent than UNC, we should have beat them, right? From a talent perspective, I'm not talking about from a cohesion perspective, right? Because you can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't play together as a team, you're not going to win football games, right? But from a talent perspective, I have no doubt in my mind that they can compete with anybody in the ACC. The problem is, again, of course, there's some depth issues, but it's also a culture thing. These people, you mentioned it, Blue, right? What what Manny left here, okay, was a lack of culture, a lack of respect for the game, a lack of, of, of a lot of things aside from just talent alone. Corey Flagg, yeah, he may not be the greatest, the greatest player that Miami has ever seen. But I'll tell you what, I focused on him a lot during that game. He was putting Daryl. Daryl Jackson had a monster game. Okay, um, and he was putting these guys on the defensive line in position and shifting them over the whole entire game, and they were being very productive. And he had a really good game as well. He is the type of guy that you want to have in there the whole time, because he is going to put players in position to make plays. He is not the most athletically gifted guy. We get that, but he's a smart player. He knows what he's doing out there, and he's part of the right culture for this program. And that is what's really important for this for this team. And it sounds so cliche. Oh, we need to change the culture, but it's worked for the team for the other team that dribbles the ball and and, and puts it in a hoop for how long now? And I know that again, that's cliche to say, but that's exactly what they do right over there. And they may not have the best team always, but they win. And that's what's important. And you and it takes time to build that. And people, I think, are under the misconception that this is that Mars is going to be able to turn around the culture and change it in five games. We need to stop. We need to take a step back and realize that this is going to take a year. This is going to take a year and a half. This is going to take two years. We're talking about a complete culture change where there's only 25 to 30 to maybe 35 guys that are really on, on the train right now and are really, yeah. are really changing that culture. And then there's other guys that aren't or aren't yet. It's going to take some time. But, but I, also, I also think, you know, we've, we haven't been good in so long. There's a culture of losing. Yeah, absolutely. to be honest, that's absolutely. not on the individual level. You have Great to point. like we just point. this season has just gotten off to like a start that no one saw coming in terms of like losing the middle of Tennessee and just it's snowballing now. Where you know it is, it, it, they're human. It's in your head when you expect to win. Things happen that let you that that allow you to win because you're confidently making those plays. You always know like 
I just need one more play. Something good will happen. We're like in the opposite. Yep. These are kids that have not won a lot of games. I mean, it was two years ago, Manny's first or second year where Derek King kept like putting up 400 yards by himself and we'd win 42 to 41, right? So we got to like eight wins. These kids weren't even around for that Malik Rozier team that in 2017, right? So these that was their best season. Like this is yep. – so, you know, when stuff starts going wrong, it's human, here we go again, right? So I don't even know that's on the individual level. The only way you can do that, I know it's cliche, you start winning games and they start believing in themselves. They start practicing better. They play better. It all spirals. Um, and and I tweeted about this, but <laughs> you never know when it's going to kind of flip. Like if you look at our 99 team right. and compare it to our 2009 team, they don't look that different. One of them was about to become the greatest team in college football history. The other one got the coach fired the next year. You just you, – these things are – there's such fine margins. And once you get in that right mindset, like you said, Jazz, the culture, it perpetuates. That's why the team you mentioned, obviously, the Heat, that's why they can pull in these, these guys that other teams don't want and fit them in. It's because when you step in that building, you feel it there. Yep. Right? And we don't have that right now. And like you said, it's going to take time to get that. But when you start winning games, it will snowball. We're doing things the right way. It's just so much, so many little things went wrong. It was just like, and I will say to the team's credit, they kept getting up. We got four or five, like, that's it. Like we're done plays. <laughs> and they still kept coming back right down to the last play of the game. They were still in it. I obviously thought we were going to win that game at the end there, right? With, with I mean, at that point, I resigned myself to something horrible and painful <laughs> was going to go wrong. But, but they kept fighting. Like I will say when they kicked that field goal, to go up by 10, I was like, there's no way we're losing by 10. We are going to go score, and we're going to have a shot to win this game. Yep. And then we're not going to because that's the way the season's going. But we're not just going to lose by 10. And I will say, you know, I think Kevin Stills' defense is frankly struggling a lot, a lot of busts, a lot of giving up third and fourth and longs that you cannot have if you're going to win. That play call on their last drive on third down, brilliant. He knew what the play was. He took, like you said, his smartest defender and said, don't even mess with the running back. Let someone else tackle the running back. You go get the quarterback. He was on May so quick he couldn't even react. Yep. That was a brilliant play call and brilliant execution. And, and you know, frankly, I haven't seen a lot of that um, defensively. That was awesome. Yep. That was a winning play, and unfortunately it didn't pay off. But that, those are We need more of those plays. This is a critical down. We're going to blow their play up. We get a little bit more of that. We're this close to winning these games. So I, I think it can turn over pretty quickly. And once you start winning, then that culture, then everyone wants to be a part of this, right? Right. So it's just it, it just takes a little bit. Biggest biggest thing I wanna I wanna talk about on the defensive side of the ball, because you mentioned it, Vish, right? Well, like obviously we made some adjustments in the second excuse me, in the second half, only let them score six points, which is absolutely great. And, you know, it's incredible. You saw some so, and, and we'll call it how we see it, right? Uh, Cam Kitchens missed, you know, completely screwed up on one play. It is what it is. It happened, right? He missed, you know, it was blown coverage on that 74-yard touchdown. You know, UNC called the exact play. They knew they were going to run that play. They saw it against Middle Tennessee. They exploited it. Cam Kitchens made a mistake. Too many eyes in the backfield. And Kevin Steele mentioned this, right? It was, I think, what did he say? Eye violations is what they're called. Eye violations, right, if I'm not mistaken, where your eyes are not in the right place. And this is happening a lot to our defensive backs. And I think it's a matter of time before 
they start to realize where their eyes need to be at all times. And that's going to take some time as well, because if you're used to running a certain type of defense and you're not confident in what your guy next to you is going to do or what you're going to do, you're going to end up getting caught, you know, with your, with your pants, you know, with your pants down, right? You're going to be looking into the backfield. You're going to be looking in the wrong place. And that's why they scored on that 74 yard touchdown. You know, it happens again on, on, Third downs, third and longs, fourth and longs, right? There was some plays on defense that just made no sense to me. And that is what they need to clean up. Blue, I want to talk about this one. I'll go around the horn on defense because this is the one that really, really boggled my mind. Everybody knew that on third and long, okay, when they spread everybody out, all right, it was an empty backfield and it was was Drake May in the backfield that it was going to be a quarterback draw. So they didn't have a spy. It's hard to get a spy from from what I understand. It's hard to get a spy on a quarterback when you've got empty backfield. You've got them spread out wide, all five, you know, you have five wide outs spread wide. You've got an empty backfield. It's kind of hard to have a spy because that back has to go to one of the, you know, to cover. However, there needs to be a way that you can make an adjustment there. And you have to know, right? You have to be obvious. You have to know that this is the play that's coming right now. You're going to spread the ball and you're going to call a quarterback draw there are you i don't want to say concerned by the defensive play but what would you have liked to have seen more and a follow-up question to that why did gilbert frierson only play nine snaps the whole game when two years ago he was one of the top players on this defense if not the top player on this defense one of the leaders on this defense i know he's the kind of guy that's going to go out there he's going to give 150 percent. i think he's one of the guys that may buy in uh to this team you know to this culture and he's going to go out there and he's going to give you everything. And he's a damn good player. Why is he only getting nice steps? Um, you know, that's a question. I'm uh, sure he's going to get more now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's going to get more. Uh, <clears throat> nobody had an answer. I mean, I think that was one of the questions that was asked uh, today or on uh, Saturday in the post-game press conference. And, you know, he said the only – I remember what the, the answer was that, you know, we're feeling our way in with a lot of these guys in different situations. And, uh, you know, he says – and, again, I, I know people hate to hear it, but uh, Miami's not going to sabotage uh, themselves just because everybody thinks that this guy should be playing or that – it's – if he didn't have a good week of practice, uh, there's nothing to say that he needed to get in there. And I think that's what happened. I think – the, the guys who play, uh, that's why, you know, because it, here's the answer to your question, too, on, uh, you know, on, um, on Jaleel Skinner and whoever else stepped up. He said they had real good weeks of practices and they had to find a way to get them in the game. Now, obviously, Frierson has way too much experience, uh, you know, to, to ease him into anything. He should be there from the beginning. And uh, you're 100 percent right. But I don't have an answer for it. I mean, I don't have an answer for a lot of things that they're, they're doing right now. But again, I'm not out there and, and ne- neither are the, the media. They're not, they only get out a certain amount of times. And that's the thing. You know, people could speculate all they want. And they could, you know, have the, every opinion they want. But if you're sitting in a room typing away or, you know, practicing your what questions you're going to ask and not watching the actual play, there's nothing you could say. You could speculate because everything's pure speculation. You know, I mean, that's all it is. I mean, you could say what you want to say and how come this guy's not doing that. But there's got to be a route to everything. And in the way I feel, it, you know, I mean, I've always been like someone who says, well, this guy should be starting. I can't believe he's not starting. I said, do you really think 
that Mario Cristobal is going to sabotage this team, especially year one when he's trying to set, you know, an example, just because you think that this guy should be getting more playing time. There's a reason why there is a reason why. And I mean, you've seen it. I mean, how can you target one guy nine times in one game and don't even throw to him the next it's either because the scheme doesn't fit what he does well or he didn't have a good week of practice. And, you know, he dropped ball after ball, and all of a sudden he drops the first ball, and you go, well, geez, he dropped 11 the other day, and now he's still dropping them? I'm not going back to him. And that's, I think, the same thing happens on defense. You know, if a guy gets beat, and then all of a sudden you say, well, how come he's not going to him? Well, because he got beat all week in practice, you know? I mean, and maybe somebody else stood out and somebody worked harder. Um there's got to be an answer for everything, Jazz. I mean, you know that. I mean, but do I have the fin- definitive one? No, I don't. It's, it's I, things we don't see. It's things we don't know about. 100%. Like, it's yeah, 100%. Even, but that's that's the way it is with everything, Vish. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, you can't just all of a sudden just make a statement and go, well, Jesus, how come that guy's starting over him? Because right. we don't know where the root of it all came from. Sure. It's also even more important, given the current phase of this project that we're at, that he – emphasizes practicing well even more you got to build those habits in frankly like it's more important to reward the practice playing time right now than to say well this guy plays well during games because if you're going to get to where we're trying to go you need to obviously we need to upgrade the talent it needs to practice well and play well in games that's what good programs do so right if you're trying to set the culture as a head coach you cannot reward poor practice habits with playing time 100 percent you're just going to tell the whole team practice doesn't matter then. Because what's going to happen inevitably is they're going to come to practice and not give to crap. Right, because it doesn't matter because they're going to put and, me in the game anyway. And you'll right. have no inten- – exactly. You're going to have no intensity. So you have to set the bar somewhere. And for those people who always say, well, oh, practice isn't important, it is. It's everything. I mean, you because if not, if you come to practice and kind of lays through plays or, you know, don't go, go after a ball that you should or make a tackle, it's going to it's going to reflect in a game. You're going to do it in a game of you. And I don't care what anybody says. That may be the best thing. You practice how you play. You know, I mean, it, I can't I can't reiterate that more. Everyone goes, oh, well, that's you know, that's just to try to get everybody. No, it's not. It's a fact. And that's how yes. games and jazz you play baseball. If you know, if you have a pitcher and he's getting lit up, you know, in, in BP or where, you know, you know, like inner squad games, what are you going to start him for? I mean, he can't, you know, he can't even get you guys, your own guys out. So, you know, and it happens. I mean, well, they, probably an know, extension of that is, you know, if you're a hitter and you're, you're just screwing around in practice and in BP and like not actually like taking it seriously, you're not going to hit well in the game. No, exactly. Right. And I mean, this is the same, this is the same thing. And you, and when you're like, why are we out of sync? Why is it? Probably because we don't practice yeah. well. There's right? a reason I mean, why. Like, why are the drops there? But maybe because we're not like, why is the passing game slightly off yeah. until this week? Hundred percent. A lot of that's because we're not doing it well in practice. You're not going to just show up in the game and do it. Hundred yep. percent. Um, Les, you got, you got a question here for us? We want to talk about making mistakes. Uh, look at Stevenson uh, minus seven against Texas A&M, not covering the receiver on the on the seven, I guess, each game. That's seven points lost us that game. Well, he got beat um, over the top against Middle Tennessee and against UNC. I still think those were coverage busts and not they really were, on him. They like were, they're supposed to but again, it's that, supposed it's, to be there. It's that whole thing of eye violation. Sometimes they're, they're, their eyes are not in the right place, and he's not necessarily getting beat off the ball, right? Because I don't think anybody's just beat him one on one. I still think he's a he's a good cover corner. He just got beat on some um, busted. Cover he's also right? he's injured, right? Like he, he might not play for another 
season, but yeah, uh, he might he might be out next week. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the case. But I think, I think well, he, they say he's quote in the protocol, which I'm reading between lines as um, concussion, but right, they didn't so actually they did say, say that was what it was. But right, they, they did say that. You're right. You're right. So um, I still think yeah, Stevenson is is fi- <sighs> Stevenson's fine. Well, um, it's just like everything else with this team. You you do not pass defend with one player. You don't you don't run defend with one player. You don't catch. You don't have a passing game with one player. We are out of sync yes. across the board slightly, and that's the frustrating. We're not like bad. We're so close to being good, and that's why it's so frustrating. Because you want, and that's why we're sitting here talking about that one play on the goal line. Why didn't we make it? That yeah, one drop. Exactly. When you get to that stage, you're almost there. And I know no one wants to hear that. Yeah. If we just can win a, a game, I think it'll start going the other direction. Yeah, Gary, I think I think some of those busts have been uh, that combination. But right. uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, you know, the one time, yeah, I think the one time you noticed that Cam made a big mistake, um, you know, Cristobal wasn't having it. He pulled him. He pulled him and he put in Avante Williams. Um, and it, it was a good series. But let's be honest. Let's put, let's, let's put the cards out on the table right now. Cam Kitchens is one of your best defensive backs, if not your best defensive back out there. No he's going to make He's going to make some mistakes. But when it comes to IQ, when it comes to talent, I mean, there's probably nobody better on this team than Cam Kitchens right now. He's still going to make you a lot of plays. He might have some busted coverages like he has had recently, but I think that that's just a learning curve now with this Kevin Steele defense. I think they're going to get it together. I think he'll be fine. Um, I do want to see some I, – I, I do I, – I, this is not – again, I don't know what's going on in practice, right? I don't know what's going on, but I do maybe want to see – you know, like a Brian Balaam. I mean, Brian Balaam was, uh, I think, is a really good safety. I think uh, getting him out there, maybe getting him some playing time. I'm not sure what's going on with Avante, um, whether he's just not picking it up, whether it's, again, a, a, a coach. Like you said, he did get in the game. He was in he on that, that touchdown I mentioned earlier where they kind of like threw a moon ball, and he was one of the ones that actually, I don't even think he technically missed the tackle because he kind of just. Dove into the ground before getting to the receiver. There's something going on there with him, you know. And, and but, but, it sure is, it but it's but it's it's hard when you're not getting game time. Then all of a sudden you're in. Like, he didn't. He hardly played against like Bethune and Southern yeah. Miss and these chances where you'd hope to get him some game action. So right, it's kind of hard. I, I mean, I'm always sympathetic to these kids, and it's just hard when you're not playing and then all of a sudden like, get out there and play and try to have that like crispness and situational awareness is really hard. Hey hey Blue, speaking of speaking of players that that they get on us about and Vish and DJ too. DJ Ivy is doing all right, man. He had another decent game again, right? Didn't yeah. look too bad again. Uh, now I saw him make some pretty good tackles as well. Like he wrapped some guy, some guy up and threw him to the ground. So like, there's some guys that are starting to get it, and some guys that are just not on on the train yet. And uh, you're gonna see that. Like the linebacker core still needs a lot of work. A lot of work. You saw Wes play a lot, and he looked really good in the game. Uh, you saw Keontre play, and he looked all right. Um, you're still not getting enough of you know Chase and and maybe even Caleb Johnson, which is a little odd to me as well. I'm not sure what's going on with Caleb Johnson. Uh, really not getting a lot of time. Wayman Steve you saw left with an injury, but you know he's another guy that's been struggling a little bit. But Corey Flag has, has kind of kept that linebacker core together right now. So I think that we're we're going to see them. You know, hopefully, right? Obviously, we're gonna see. <laughs> we're gonna obviously hope to see them kind of pick it up and put it together a little bit. And um, you know that 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 Kevin Steele defense is not an easy one to pick up. There's so many different schemes, so many different formations, so many different things that he does. It's gonna take some time, guys. So um, I'm just you know, again, we lost by three. 
And that game, we lose by 40 last year. You know, and, and we, we kept mentioning it about the whole practice thing, Blue and Vish. Practice, this is not the Manny Diaz team, right? Where if you practice really good, like Leonard Taylor and James Williams and some of these other guys that didn't see the field <laughs> until later on when it was forced, right? When he was forced to show some of these guys. This is not this. This is not it, right? You practice well, you're going to play. And, and that's what Mario's all about. He wants the best players out there that are going to be able to execute. I'll, I'll tell you something. Yeah. I learned everything I need to know about Manny Diaz when he put Tate Martell in in that bowl game. This is a kid <laughs> who quit the program yep, and then came back for the bowl game, and everyone on social media, which Manny Diaz was way too concerned with, was like, play this guy. He had no business playing that game. Nope. He subbed him in. He looked terrible because he hadn't even been with the team. To me, I was like, that's it. This guy is never going to succeed. You can't do that. So, so to your point, Jazz, there was no correlation. This dude wasn't even with the team, and he put him in. So, I mean, there's no correlation, and and this is the this is what Mario's having to undo. By right, the right, exactly. You exactly. don't lose those habits overnight because there's a new coach. So, to your point, if they practice well, they will play. And he's shown that he's put young. We saw actually this this week in particular, we saw Nigel Lee Kelly and Wes Bisante get a lot of playing time. He'll put the if you earn it, he will play you. He will. he will absolutely play you. I mean, everyone's complained that Colby Young didn't get in until late in the game. Made two huge catches. He had him in there on a critical fourth down, fourth quarter drive. So as much as you want to say, why wasn't he in the first quarter? He trusted him on one of the most important drives of the game. But that's so. a crazy thing, though, right? Like, it's it's crazy in a good way. I'm not saying it in a bad way. Yeah, but way. so much of football like, is situational, right? So it's what the defense is in. You know, it's it's what you're trying to run. You know, how much of the playbook does he know? What packages is he practicing? What where are you trying to use them? Like, it's not as simple as just like this guy should be playing all the time. Right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see them play against Virginia Tech this weekend. It's like my segue there, uh, guys. Um, real quick before we get on out of here, Virginia Tech not a very good football program this year, fellas. Uh, they are, I think they are two. They are two and four right now. Um, or two and th- or one two and four two, two and four. four is it okay uh, struggling a little bit over there uh, not a great team okay uh, always tough to play in Blacksburg though okay so it's always going to be a big game especially homecoming too it's sold homecoming. out sold out <laughs> sold out Blacksburg if you've ever been there I haven't been there but I know that I think Vish you've been to Blacksburg if if I'm not mistaken so yeah twice yeah so that's that's an electric crowd over there that's a crazy place to play. Uh, the middle of nowhere that out there. So um, always going to be a tough game regardless. I think that Miami's going to have to come out and, you know, and, and put a hurting on them like they should. Okay. Yeah. Like they oh, should. yeah, they should. Um, enter Sandman, though. It's a noon. You don't have to enter Sandman at 9 o'clock at night. Like, no, it's at 1230, thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. I'm telling you. Um, and, and listen, if you everybody's calling for Mario's head down there, uh, look at the success that Virginia Tech had with Beamer all those years, and Brent Pye's already hearing it. I, know, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they, they got to put Beamer in the Hall of Fame twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that dude was a miracle. I mean, he turned that. They, I mean, I, it, obviously for us, we remember like he made that into a legitimate powerhouse no program that could no beat doubt. anyone and was always top five. And you know, like you said, Jazz, where it's located and. You know, there is a lot of talent in Vir- in, in the state, but oh, not yeah. like Florida levels. And right. frankly, Virginia is much better located to, to capitalize on that. And the fact that no he doubt. just 
sucked all the talent up to the point that Virginia basically didn't exist as a football program because Virginia Tech was so dominant. I mean, look at those areas, Vish. Yeah. You got uh, Virginia Beach and you got uh, Norfolk and you got yeah, all that Hampton whole Roads area. area. Yeah, all the that Hampton is, Roads area yeah. is really extremely – that area like Houston is a lot like South Florida because they've – you know, you got the Michael Vicks and the Allen Iversons and, and the Ronald Currys and guys that, you know, are always coming out of there. And uh, they've done really well with that talent. And uh, see, right now – Well, Beamer did. Since yeah, he's no, left, that's what I'm saying. Beamer to, did. <laughs> to, to, uh, yeah, to, yeah, well – I want to answer this question from Les because I know he posted it earlier. Um, guys, how does the U finish the year? Give me so I think this is this is my this is and maybe you guys want to chime in on this also. I think Miami's actually trending up the right way right now. And I know it's weird to say that considering we've just lost three straight games. Uh, but <laughs> I, I feel like there's a trend going up. And look, I, I honestly think that FSU is kind of trending downward a little bit and that's not that's not because i'm biased against them or anything like that because they're not you know it's, it's a decent team it's a decent program and they're having injury issues just like everybody else in college football so yeah. for me the, the injury thing is not is not it but for me and, and someone mentioned this uh yesterday i think i think flo was the one that mentioned this if jordan travis doesn't play absolutely excellent every single game they're in trouble because it's jordan travis and that is it. Their defense is half decent because they've got Jared Verse, who I think is actually a little hurt now. Uh, they've got Jamie Robinson. They've got some good guys over there, but I think they're actually trending downwards. And I think Miami is kind of trending upwards a little bit. And, and you're starting to see that they're struggling with some with some teams. They're making some some boneheaded mistakes that they didn't make early on in the season, the first two or three games. So if you're asking me. A win or a lose, I like. I'm, I'm liking Miami's chances this year against a team like FSU. I know it's too early to tell because there's still like four or five games before that happens. But um, you know, I'm, I'm answering your question. I think that the U is trending up a little bit. I think FSU is trending downwards, and I think there's an opportunity there if we continue to progress and get better on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball that we could uh, we could be in for a good one there. So uh, I don't know if you guys wanted to kind of a sanity on that yeah for me it's it's you know i think these next three games starting with this saturday are going to dictate how we perform against fsu to be honest like this season's teetering a little bit we're still getting back up off the mat and fighting the next game yeah. you can only get knocked out like if we go lose to virginia tech like i the bottom <laughs> at some point the bottom's gonna fall out right but, i mean you've got to win a game if we can win that like the next game that's duke at home then at virginia virginia is really bad this year you're sitting there. You could definitely be heading. We should expect. I know we lost to Middle Tennessee, so maybe we shouldn't expect five and that. three. We should be five and three on a three-game winning streak going into that game. Now they're playing Clemson this week, so they're going to lose. Um, and then and then they have Georgia Tech, which they should win. Although Georgia Tech's won two in a row all of a sudden after firing the coach, but um, but you know it's probably two five and three teams is my guess going into that game. But I think we'll have the momentum. It's in Miami, so. Yeah, I like happen. our chances. I will <laughs> say, if we lose one of these, if we lose this weekend, it, oh, it's going to get ugly, ugly. Are we ugly. having a show next week if we lose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, 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 the show's going to be even better. <laughs> you know, we got some good transfers in basketball. We can preview the basketball season next uh, week. Yeah, yeah, we got a really good commit, right? A really, yeah. Good the basketball's season. looking good, so we'll just pivot quickly. It's almost time. Baseball's for still in the top twenty-five too. Yeah. So hey, you mm-hmm. never know. But uh, but anyways, I digress. Um, 
That'll be interesting. We'll definitely have a uh, pre and post game show for you on the uh, for the Virginia Tech game. Game time is twelve thirty, so expect the pregame show to be around eleven eleven thirty. So we'll make sure we uh, we do that for you guys, and then the post game show as well. Uh, just you'll just have one other footnote on on Virginia yeah. Tech. Um, I, we talked about this a little bit this summer, but they've changed the scheduling model. This is the last time we're going to play them in a for a long for oh, a little bit. Wow, that's because they're not one of our. Our natural That's pod right. rival, So this is our. They played them every year, Vish, since the Big East, and yeah, we're not. That. We're not going to be doing that anymore. Wow, what a um, shame! What a shame. Our teams are. I think it's Louisville, Florida State, and what was the other one? It's not Boston. Oh, Boston College. Look at DJ knew that. DJ circling that one on his calendar. Hey, hey, hey! You guys want to come up to the cold, cold Massachusetts? I'll be. Happy to, uh, we should do that. Guys yeah, we should game. do that. We should we should do we should that. Go to Boston for that game. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That'll be awesome. We will do yeah. that. We will do that. Um, uh, but fun. so yeah, so it is kind of the end of a of an as blue sand era. I mean, this is thirty years of playing Virginia Tech. It became by far the marquee rival in the Big East. It was must watch for the whole country. Yeah, um, and you know, it carried through to the ACC, and it, it is kind of sad to see it go. Um, we're still yeah. going to play them occasionally, but you know, it's one of those. We used the schedules to come and be like. Because Florida doesn't play us, right? When are we playing FSU? When are we playing Virginia Tech? And, you know, losing that. It's part of modern football. You know, we lose all of these rivalries, but still it stinks. Gary, you got room for a couple a couple of Six Rings Canes hosts on that uh, trip to BC next year, man? Uh, we'll have to talk about it. Uh, anyways, uh, make sure you guys tune in this weekend, this Saturday. Yeah, at uh, 11, it looks like it's going to be an 11.30 start for po- uh, for pregame show, and then we'll go on uh, right after postgame as well. Uh, I'm sorry, right after the game, we'll have the postgame show as well. Make sure you guys keep it locked there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining the show. Make sure you follow us on, on uh, 6. Um, Before we get to our last sponsor, I do have a fat, fat bear update. Yes, follow so we got us the on, finalists. Uh, on we got Six Strings Canes. Oh, yeah, let's see. What are the finalists? We got the finalists. So my bear made to the finals. I'm pumped up. Like 901 was the one I picked from the beginning. 901, baby. It's going against 747. That's Yo. your finalist. You got to vote tomorrow <laughs> starting at noon. 747 is a big matter. I know, I know. I'm concerned. Although, although she, she already took out Otis, who was the defending champion. 901 took out Otis, so I'm feeling confident now. Uh, Dominate today's semifinal, so. <laughs> All and right, fun. I'm gonna have to vote tomorrow. But yeah, that, this is the last. This is, the, this is what's left of the bracket. This is all it is. October That's 11 finals. Wow, it is almost done. Fat Bear Week is almost over. But you know, it's tomorrow. Get in there at noon. Vote for 901 on my behalf. And and, and by the way, and some uh, MLB. Oh, did you hear about this? There was a scandal yesterday. Yes, I heard there was. Oh a my rope, god! Rope. Someone, someone like bots, it was right, right before the, the voting. Yeah, they they were able to detect it, but a bot. They put a bot in there. And they voted for. Holly, a bunch of times to swing those election results, but they caught it and threw out the votes. Seven four seven almost got screwed there. They're even doing it for the damn fat bear. Yeah, the caption that sweet today. Oh, like there was no. the caption on the page before there was today. Like one of those human verification things where click the stoplight or whatever. But anyway, hey, get in there tomorrow and vote for nine hundred one. Blue, what happened yeah. to your what happened to your Mets, man? Hey, let's not even talk there. So. Uh... <laughs> Oh, playoff baseball is fun. Uh, We're Red Sox fans, so we can't really yeah, talk a good either. weekend for yeah. South Florida if you're a Met fan too. Oh, the Dolphins, man. the Canes, everything. Yeah. yeah. How about but, those Mariners? How about those Mariners, though, baby? Yeah, well, they're doing pretty good. Blood in the playoffs. But, so well, well, you know what? Even if your team lost, maybe you could make some money with prize picks. Ah, yeah, there you go. Good segue. Good segue. Another prize picks for you here. Check us out. 
PrizePicks.com, the official sponsor, the official uh, fantasy, um, what is it, daily fantasy football app for Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure you check them out. Go to PrizePicks.com. When you uh, sign up, make sure you put in the code FIVE, F-I-V-E. It's the code FIVE, and they will match your initial deposit up to $100. It's real simple. It all depends on how much money you want to make. What's great about it is that you can – you can mix and match different players from different leagues, different teams, different um, uh, different everything. Uh, make sure you choose. Here's how it works. Choose between two to five players. Okay. Then you're going to pick the over-under on their individual categories, and that's how you win. It all depends on how much you want to win and how many players you pick. Make sure you go to pricepicks.com. Choose between two to five players. Choose the over-under on their individual categories, and just watch you guys rack up some cash, baby. Five Reasons Sports, prizepicks.com, code word five, F-I-V-E, will match your first, they will match your first deposit up to $100. Make sure you check them out, prizepicks.com. Thank you guys so much for joining this show. Vish, DJ, Blue, always a pleasure. Uh, make sure you keep it locked on Twitter at Six Rings. Kane. Real quick, before before you end, if if any if you guys missed the beginning of the show, check it out. We had we had a new little intro sequence there. New little intro. We'll have a new, a new little outro as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, keep it locked for the pregame show this weekend and the postgame show here on the Five Reasons Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe, smash the like button, give us some love. We'll definitely return the love as well. Again, follow us on Twitter at Six Rings Canes. Check us out here every Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Five Reasons Sports Network. Go Canes. We'll see you guys. The Six Rig Kane Show. The Six Rig Kane Show. The Six Rings Kane Show. (laughs) You know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.